Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? That is a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So often, we can think that our young people just don't have that much to offer. But they do. And it's amazing how youth will step up and shine when given the opportunity to serve others. So I wanted to make service the topic for this week, this Thanksgiving week, because I feel like when it comes to this holidays, we focus way more on the thanks and less on the giving. And for a moment, let's look at that word Thanksgiving. Okay, so it dates back to the 1530s. And the word is formed by combining the Old English noun for grateful thought and combining that with the present participle of the verb give or to bestow. So my sincere hope is that families this week and moving into the holiday season will not only pause to have and, and share their grateful thoughts, but also go a bit further and move into action, the action of giving. And here's the thing on giving. It isn't usually something that we encourage or expect from our youth. And because of this, our youth are usually way more oriented towards receiving than they are giving. And it's not their fault. Let me explain. When you think about it, for the most part, we've sort of constructed a society that tells young people that they can't really or truly contribute to the world until after high school. For many of them, after college, maybe even graduate school. And this, in part, is because we've set up like two main roles for our youth. Those roles being student and child. So that first one, student. They are students of a school, which is where they receive an education. And second, they are children of parents. So in this one, they receive guidance. Advice, food, clothing, shelter, a cell phone, maybe an allowance. And the problem with that is that both of these roles, student and child, these roles are oriented towards the receiving of goods, services, and support. And here's the thing. When anyone's orientation towards the world is mainly or solely about being the receiver, the consumer, If that's the case, they will undoubtedly become a critic and likely be unhappy because that vantage point encourages a focus on the quality of the schooling or the quality of the parenting. And this perspective will likely turn into a deficit-based mindset that focuses mainly on the lack of quality. You know, the lack of quality having to do with the services, the support that's provided by their schools and their parents. Now, taking a shot in the dark here, maybe this idea connects with you. 
Because recently, maybe as recently as earlier today, you as a parent have received a, let's say, less than positive review from your child in regards to the parenting services that you have been providing. You know, one of those, uh, if I could give less than one star, I would. Maybe one of those types of reviews. Okay, but back to it. This perspective or this vantage point doesn't just result in our youth having a critical deficit-based view of you and their school. And bigger than that, the world, it's not just that. This view, this orientation can also cause significant damage to their self-esteem. Because when our youth just receive or take from the people, the institutions, and largely the world around them, they will likely begin or continue to think that they don't have anything to offer. And if they think that they don't have anything to offer, many of our youth will begin to believe that they are not of worth, that they, in reality, are useless. And on this topic of self-esteem, the research shows that the best way to improve one's self-esteem is to take a break from the focus on self and instead direct our attention and action towards others. In one research study out of the University of Michigan that supports this idea, the psychologists Amy Canaveo and Jennifer Crocker said this, Nothing makes you more proud of yourself than knowing that you are making a difference in the lives of other people. End of quote. So that just goes to show you, we need to encourage, to allow for, and in a way, expect our youth to make a difference in the lives of other people. And the truth of the matter is, they can do this now. The message should not and cannot be. You'll do that later. You'll get to that later. But when you look at it, that later message is the one we are indirectly communicating when we don't encourage or expect our youth to contribute, but instead communicate some sort of, well, not yet. You know, someday, someday when you're an adult with an education, a job, some expertise, then, and only then, will you be able to truly contribute. And that's just not the case. Our youth can serve their communities. They can contribute now. We just have to find and encourage, and again, in a way, expect them to do so. And to pause for a second, I can hear many parents at this point saying, thinking, cool message. Thanks for the breakdown on the word Thanksgiving. Much appreciated. I get the why of service. But what about the how? How can I make volunteering happen with all of the limitations that exist due to this pandemic? And in response to that, and to keep this episode under 30 minutes, I'm going to include several links in the show notes about how families can volunteer during this time. Okay, and now moving on to another thing I can imagine many parents saying at this point which could be some version of, yeah, cool message, I get the why, thanks for the links to the how, but my kid doesn't want to serve. They don't want to contribute to the community. And I hear you. That's why I think it's great when families make it a family tradition to serve, to volunteer by helping those less fortunate. We have so many holiday traditions. 
why not include the tradition of giving? And on this family tradition topic, here's where my message may differ from most. I encourage families to volunteer, to serve, to contribute without documenting or broadcasting their good deeds. And here's why. When I talk to young people, they often see volunteering as something you do because it's a requirement, a requirement for school, maybe their IB program or some other program they're in, or maybe it'll look good on a college application. Or they may think volunteering is something that you do so that you can tell and show others just how thoughtful and generous you are. So, for this year, and it's just an idea, if volunteering is something you're wanting to do, or something that you already do, maybe, just maybe, you don't post about it this year. Now, I understand that there are positives in posting the good deeds online or including them in your family's holiday letter. I get the positive because sharing your good deeds may encourage or inspire others to do the same. But I think the main takeaway from our youth when we broadcast our benevolent behavior, I think the message about contribution and service is that these things are done so that you can check a box or document hours or to bring yourself some positive feedback in the form of likes and follows. And when that's the message our youth are receiving, that that's the true reason for the giving part of Thanksgiving, well then, that turns into a message that provides meaning of a shallow and superficial nature. Now, shifting gears a bit, I want to bring up how we can often get in the way of these opportunities for our youth. And this might not apply to all of you, but it might apply to some. And it's hard to admit. But we can often get in the way because of our own doubt, our own apprehension about their ability to contribute in a meaningful way. And if this is the case, we need to step aside and allow our youth to step up. Because, again, they have way more to offer than we give them credit for. And to make this point, I'm going to share a story. Okay, story time. So it's 2008. I was working at a group home for young men, ages 13 to 17 mainly. And I was asked to take eight of these teenagers on a weekly basis to a nursing home so that they could lead pro-social activities with the older adult residents. So the program that the director of this group home had signed up for and signed these young men up for, in essence, had signed me up for, was something called Bessie's Hope. Okay, so here's a bit about Bessie's Hope. And this is taken from their website. All right, so the Bessie's Hope Youth and Elders Program, what it does is it matches schools and other youth groups with nursing home and assisted living residents. In this mutually beneficial program, the youth gain self-esteem, respect for others, life skills, and academic skills. And the elders receive companionship, intellectual stimulation, and the chance to feel useful. The activities in all of the Bessie's Hope programs focus on volunteers participating with, not doing things to or for their grand partners. I love that term, grand partners. 
Okay, but back to the description. Okay, so thus, the interaction is always empowering for the elders. All right, so that was a brief description. Sounds nice, right? It is, but that wasn't my initial reaction. When I was told that I would be the one, often the only one to accompany these young men to the nursing home, I was terrified. I was petrified, mortified. Now, let me rewind a bit and provide a bit of reasoning and context for my sheer terror about participating in this wonderful endeavor. So at this group home, we had about 20 to 30 young men who all lived there, and these young men usually didn't get along very well with each other. And they often really didn't get along with their, uh, their elders. In this case, the elders being staff and the other people in positions of authority. So I can remember vividly how difficult it was just to get one of the boys to hand over the Xbox controller to another person because his time was up on that particular video game console. This exchange of power, if you will, usually resulted in a disagreement about if their time was actually up and often a refusal to get off the game and sometimes resulted in just a full-on fight. So, when I imagine taking eight of these teenage boys to a nursing home to not just partake in the activities, but to lead them? I imagine the absolute worst. A full-blown catastrophe. I pictured yelling, things being broken, wheelchairs getting tipped over, and our short visit ending with the arrival of law enforcement. And all All of that would result in me losing my job and never again being allowed to work with youth. I was only a year or two into my social work career, and I thought, you know, well, that was a good run. That was fun. But that good run would soon be over, and I should probably start reaching out to my buddies to see if they can get me a job at Edward Jones. Who knows if that doesn't work out? Maybe my dad will let me work for him. But because... I didn't really have a choice in the matter. I agreed to and took these young men to the nursing home for our first day of involvement with Bessie's Hope. So I loaded up eight of the boys into the big white van and the entire way there, there were arguments, there were fights. Guys were yelling out of the windows, arguing about what radio station should be played. All types. I mean, all types of chaos going on in that van. And because of all of that, on the drive, I was even more sure that a disaster was just about to occur. But guess what? A disaster did not happen. And I will never forget what actually did happen. It was incredible. It was astonishing to me. It went better than I could have ever imagined. These young men did a phenomenal job in every single aspect. From the minute we walked through the doors of that nursing home, these young men stepped up big time. They stepped up in the most surprising and cool way. They were so kind to these much older residents. They were gentle. They were thoughtful, caring, and they were so enthusiastic. I just couldn't believe it. They immediately took charge of the activities. They did like this balloon volleyball game with the older adults. They played trivia. 
they helped them paint Thanksgiving turkeys. And get this, before they left, and it was unprompted by me, mainly because I was still in a silent and shocked state of disbelief. But when it was time to go, each and every single one of them stopped and shared just how much fun they had had and how grateful they were to spend the afternoon with those older adults. I couldn't believe what I saw. That night, and to this day, I have thought so much about why that trip, and every future trip, mind you, went so well. And what I realized is, the reason that it went so well is because of the dramatic shift in orientation that Bessie's hope provided. These young men were put in a position of power, which they had rarely, if ever, been put in. They, they were the ones who were in charge. They were responsible for things going well and for providing a positive experience for others. Once a week, on those afternoons, they were the experts, for once. And that was their opportunity to be of service. These young men weren't seen or treated as juvenile delinquents at that nursing home. Nope, they were not. Instead, they were seen for what they truly were, as caring, capable, thoughtful, entertaining, and useful young men. All right, so that's the Bessie's Hope story. And I shared it to point out how youth have way more to offer than many of us, and a big including me on that one, that many of us give them credit for. So this week in particular, I really want to encourage anyone who's listening to this to make it a tradition in their family, a tradition to put the giving back in Thanksgiving. And to do this, not to check a box, not to receive credit, not to gain or gather virtual applause or praise, but instead to serve, to give back. Because we know it's essential to do this for our youth's sense of self, for their self-worth. And this is absolutely key to being a part of any community. And ultimately, it is necessary to live a full and happy life. This week, this holiday season, and beyond, let's help others. And in these efforts to serve and contribute, we ourselves and our youth can begin to have a better and more clear answer to life's most persistent and urgent question. That question being, what are you doing for others? Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, Perspective for parents.com spelled out that's perspective the number four parents.com thanks again <laughs>